you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5 this morning, James chapter 5. I'll tell you what, friend, that's more important than three-pointer. That's more important than the touchdown. I'm surprised Brother Randy, though, I'm really surprised Brother Randy's uh, team this morning did not lead singing like this, you know, because he's, he's a big Florida fan. I mean, big Florida fan. And all you Tennessee fans would have probably walked out on him. But uh, I'm glad we got more than a, a ball game to worry about. And we're on the winning side, say amen. And uh, I thank God for these children being taught early that the best thing they can do is serve the Lord, sing for God, be in church faithful, follow their parents' example. Uh, I appreciate Miss Tawny. She uh, got, got called on the last minute. We had three teachers get sick uh, in one class. Now that's, I, I'll tell you, I don't know. Y'all better go spray that class with Lysol or something. Amen. But anyway, the whole class, uh, the assistant teacher and the, the, then the one that was supposed to uh, take her place had two two uh, children with strep throat and and uh, Miss Tani uh, gladly substituted for them this morning and talked Miss Rebecca and the and the teachers on vacation so we we had a we had a time of getting that second grade class filled but it was a blessing and uh, the door was open I heard Miss Tani teaching all the way down the hall in the glory class by the way the glory class did a wonderful job um, Friday afternoon we stuffed our faces and then we stuffed envelopes Amen. Brother uh, Hasey made some pork loin, and it was delicious. And uh, we had um, stuffed 7,000 missionary letters in two hours and saved the missionaries $2,000. And that's a blessing. We had two college students. We appreciate the college students that was there. They joined the glory class. You know what the glory class is? That's the over-the-hill class. You know, our, and I'm in that class. I mean, and the next class is heaven. So, you know, we don't graduate anywhere else, praise God. I believe Brother uh, Lamar is going to celebrate his 80th birthday next Sunday. Amen. He, he don't look 80. And he sure married a young bride, I'll tell you that. But anyway, um, but, you know, they, they worked like Trojans. I mean, they were just shoveling those, uh, stuffing those envelopes. And Brother Petty and I, he's another one that joined the glory class by proxy. Uh, we, we were stuffing those envelopes, and I looked at the envelope, and it was Stephen Underwood's prayer letter. He was raised in this church. He was a kid in this church. And uh, here we were stuffing his envelope, uh, his mission uh, letter, his, uh, to report into his churches. And I thought, boy, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. So, you know, your work is not in vain, as the Sunday school class said. All right, James chapter 5. I know no one in this, cl in this uh, class, in this room, this uh, sanctuary, needs this message. But I'm going to preach on the topic of patience. Patience. The power of patience. I'm thinking about preaching an hour just see if you've got some patience. No. <laughs> and you say, well, I'll listen, but I just won't be here. I'll be at the restaurant while you're preaching the, uh, your fifth closing. But uh, let's stand on the Word of God, James chapter 5. We're just about through this wonderful book on maturity. I believe you ought to grow up. That's why we give the Bibles to S. Betty and Elizabeth. I want them to grow in the Lord. The only way to grow in the Lord is with the sincere milk of the Word of God. Say amen. Look at this, verse 7. It says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and has <clears throat> long patience for it until he received the early and latter rains. How many of you farmers in here, raise your hand, you're farmers? Okay, y'all won't have a clue. Brother Wesley's a farmer? God bless him. Okay. He raised two tomatoes and he thinks he's a farmer. But anyway, let's, <laughs> let's, 
Let's, let's go on with verse 8. It says, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. How many say amen to that? Grudge not one against another. Brethren, let, let's be ye condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, uh, 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 for example of suffering, of affliction, of, and of patience. In other words, the prophets were in the will of God and they still suffered. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for patience. God, we need it. Lord, if you've been married over an hour, you need it. God, if you have children, you really need it. If you have five or six teenagers, you really, really need it. Dear God, thank you for patience. God, thank you for a patient church that's put up with me for 39 and a half years. And God, I appreciate them so much. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that we grow in our patience with each other. That we go and grow in patience, Lord, in light that soon the battle will be won. Soon we'll cross the finish line, and soon we'll be with you. So, Lord, in these last days, help us to grow and realize the power <clears throat> of patience. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, James counseled with us when we started this study a few months ago <clears throat> on patience. He said in James chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, he started uh, saying, uh, and I believe that, folks, this church was under persecution. We don't have much persecution in America. Probably the only thing you'll get hurt if you go soul winning is your feelings. But I want to tell you something. Some people die for the faith. They've died for this book. They've been in prison. They've been away from their family for months and years just so we could have this book, so we could have the privilege and the freedom. People died for America, freedom. That's why, friend, if you don't want to salute the flag, uh, I suggest you get right with your uh, God in America, amen? Don't get me started on that subject, amen? I believe we, are, we ought to be thankful we live in a country <clears throat> that's free, but somebody paid the price for our freedom, shed their blood, and, and I thank God for them, folks, but I want to tell you something. In James' day, there was great persecution. I mean, there were people being killed for their faith, and, and they counted it as a blessing to suffer for Jesus' sake. But they needed people like James to say, listen, it's going to get worse and there's going to be more problems than you can ever handle and you need to have patience in these last days to keep on keeping on. And he uses three illustrations, a farmer, prophets, and Job. Three great illustrations on how we ought to be patient in the last days. Verse 2 of chapter 1 says, My brethren, count it all uh, joy when thou fallest in divers temptation." Knowing this is trying your faith, worketh what? Patience. Folks, and then it says, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That's the theme of the whole book of James. Grow up. Be mature. Listen, you don't judge a person's character by what it takes to get you started. You judge a person's character by what it takes to get you to quit. Folks, anybody can start something. But I tell you what, it takes character 
And it takes God, and it takes faith, and it takes the Spirit of God for you to continue in the midst of problems. I mean, you need to live by faith, not by feelings. Say amen. You need to realize that God has called you to be faithful in these last days. And folks, there's uh, faithful fans to, uh, to um, football games, and there's faithful fans to a team called the Braves, and, and folks, we ought to be all fans. And, the, and then that, that, that root word uh, extrapolates to a longer word, fanatics. And the word fan or fanatic means an ardent follower. I mean, you're just committed. You're committed to God. And then it goes on to say, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally, and upbraideth not that he shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And so he begins the book and he ends the book with have patience. He begins the book and ends the book by saying have wisdom. I want to tell you what one of the lessons you ought to learn. Trouble is allowed in your life to mature you. Sometimes trouble is for chase, chastening. Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he scourged and chasteneth every son whom he saved. But I said sometimes. Don't you listen to these TV evangelists and say the reason you're sick is because of sin. I, I, I believe that's not scriptural. Paul had a thorn in the flesh and I don't think he was a sorry sinner out of the will of God. He was right in the middle of the will of God. These prophets were right in the middle of the will of God. Job was right in the middle of the will of God. God allowed trouble. Don't waste your trouble. Second of all, sometimes God puts trouble in our life for a change, a miracle. I still got, believe God heals through prayer, not healers that are making millions of dollars uh, having their show. Folks, if they have the gift of healing, why don't they go up down here to the uh, children's hospital where those little children have cancer and go door to door. Then I'll believe them. Amen. Not some show where they make a million dollars. You say, you shouldn't have said that, preacher. Well, I already did, and you're not preaching, and I am. And, you know, please, please pray for me if I said that in the flesh. But folks, listen, sometimes it's for a miracle. We pray, God answers. He gets the glory. Say amen. And then sometimes, sometimes it's for conditioning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says that uh, He, he uh, comforts, us, uh, comforts us in the trials, and with that comfort, we comfort others. And so, folks, He conditions you. A lot of people come to me and say, well, you don't know what it's like to live in a broken home. You don't know what it's like to live with a drunk. And I say, oh, wait a minute. I was raised that way. And I know exactly what it's like. And I want to tell you something. God brought me through that. And de God saved my daddy at the age of 63. And, and I, know, I know how it is. And I believe God allowed me to be in a home like that. Not to get bitter but to get prepared to be a blessing to those that go through the same trial. God wants us to dig a well in the valley of Baca. He wants us to, when there's a desert and there's a, there's a valley, He wants us to dig a well during the rainy season so when somebody comes behind us, we can be refreshed. But I want to say always trouble, always, the fourth C in this little outline, the always trouble is for conforming, always. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Well, let's go to Romans 8, 28 and 29. You know 28, but I don't think you ought to read 28 without 29 because I believe that 28, uh, 29 explains why you have 28. 
You say, well, what in the world does it say? We'll get there and we'll read it. Amen. It says Romans 8, 28. For we know, not that we feel, but we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and to them that are called according to His purpose. All things. But the key word here is together. I sure love homemade biscuits, but I don't like lard, I don't like flour, and I don't like baking soda. I never, I'll never forget when we used to run out of toothpaste, my mother made me brush my teeth with baking soda. Amen. I mean, I was going to turn her into the NCAACP or something. Amen. I, I said, what are you doing, Mom? And she says, you're not going to go a day without brushing your teeth. And I got perfect teeth today. Those are left in my mouth. And I want to tell you something, friend. I picked up the toothpaste this morning, and it said, for whitening, bacon so added. I said, my mother was right on track, praise God. We could have made a million dollars if we'd have come up with that toothpaste back then. But folks, I don't like baking soda by itself, but I love it when my dear wife and my dear mom and I don't ever compare their cooking. That's part of the lesson yesterday. Say amen right there, amen. I love it when they mix it together with lard, that's shortening for you modernistic young people, and flour and buttermilk, and I sure love homemade biscuits. Together, together. For we know that all things work together, but here's why. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. All trouble, I said all trouble, is for conforming. Sometimes chastening, sometimes conditioning, sometimes a change, a miracle through prayer, but always, always, write it down now, always to conform you to his image. He wants to make you more like Jesus. That's why... We should be patient. Now go back to our chapter, chapter 5. That's just the introduction. we got a few minutes left. But look at James chapter 5. It says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, to the coming of the Lord. I want to tell you this, friend. I believe that we ought to realize that the helmet of salvation is in, the, in the warfare is eternal life. Salvation is eternal. God's not an Indian giver. God does not take away your salvation. Now, you can lose the joy of your salvation. You can lose the blessing and peace of your salvation. But you cannot lose salvation. Can somebody say amen? God does not disown you. I've never disowned one of my children. I never will. God does not divorce you. He, you're His bride. He's the groom. And praise God, He's coming for you. Folks, you're eternally secure. That's not a license to sin. It's a license to love God. You say, well, if I believe that, I'd live like I want to. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you're really saved, you don't want to. And then if you do, you don't get away with it. Say amen. There's the chastening. There's where God will correct you. I want to tell you something. It's either change or chase, chastening. Folks, you cannot live like you want to. You know why? you got a heavenly Father. Amen. Come on. Hey, I want to tell you something. My children are not going to live like they want to while they're living under my house. They all moved out. They still check in with us, amen, sometimes. <laughs> now, they're 30-something years old. They had to move out, amen, praise God. We prayed them in brides, everything else. Praise the Lord, amen. But I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. I hope I never discipline in hate or vengeance, but love. For whom the Lord loveth, he scourged and chased every Sunday. Aren't you glad for conviction this morning? Aren't you glad you don't want to live? Hey, aren't you glad God put in your heart this morning a want to to be in the house of God and hear that beautiful song? That'll bless you. And hear the Word of God, most important of all. And read it. Memorize it. Study it. Yes, Betty. 
Amen. Praise God. I'm trying to memorize your name. Amen. Thank God. Appreciate you. Elizabeth. Folks, listen. All things work together. But folks, we ought to realize the helmet of salvation means this. We're saved. And that means in the battle, put, a, put on the helmet of salvation. Lift up the sword of the Spirit, praise God. And put, on the shield, put up the shield of faith, quench all the fiery darts of hell. And some of it's the dart of doubt. I wouldn't doubt if the devil would throw a dart of atheism at you. Oh, it's no God. The dart of ignorance, that you came from some monkey. Folks, if monkey made men back then, why don't monkeys make men now? We came from God. And to be saved is to be in union with your Creator. But the helmet of salvation is this. I know I'm saved. And so therefore, I know I'll remain saved. And I will be saved until Jesus takes me home or I go home by way of death. And until then, I'm going to keep on battling. I'm going to keep on swinging the sword. I'm going to stay in the battle because I know one day there's a finish line. If I didn't think there was a heaven, I would give up. Amen. If I didn't think there was a finish line, praise God, I'd probably get lazy. But I want to tell you something. In these last days, you need to realize we need to, we need to intensify our efforts. We need to intensify in the battle our prayers. We need to be more patient with each other and we need to long for God to use us. The word patient means to remain under. That means endurance under great stress. Look at verse 11. The Bible says this. It says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. And so we need to stay in the battle and we need to stay faithful and we need to stay in the church and not let somebody offend us or, 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 or get, uh, you know, get uh, uh, unfaithful because somebody uh, says something wrong towards you. I mean, folks, that makes about as much sense as if my sister said something bad towards me and then I turned on my father or my mother. They didn't do it. God didn't do it. But we get mad at each other and we get sad at each other and we get offended at each other. In these last days, friend, and we quit the Father and we quit the Holy Spirit and we quit... God Almighty, folks, listen, we need to stay faithful and patient because He's faithful and patient with you. Amen? Look in the mirror. Look what God's had to do. He's had to put up with a whole lot of you. And thank God that He has. I'm glad my God's patient. Amen? I'm glad my God is long-suffering. I'm, I'm glad that we can be patient as Christ is patient how can we Christians experience this kind of patience? Well, James draws three, three illustrations. Number one, the farmer. Look at verse 7, James chapter 5. Be patient, therefore, the brethren to the coming Lord. Behold, the husbandry, the farmer, Wesley, waiteth for the precious fruit. Praise God, he left. Did I offend him? No, behold, the husbandry waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath patience for it until they receive the early and latter rain. And so be patient, establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's no crop that appears overnight. Amen. I tried to grow tomatoes one time. Praise God, my dogs run them. The rabbits, the rabbits got them. And, uh, you know, I should have realized this. If I can't grow hair, how in the world do you think I'm going to grow a tomato? Amen. But I will say this. I want to tell you, it takes patience. You got to fertilize, you got to dig, you got to put fences. I found out you got to put fences around those things. My dogs thought they were dog biscuits. I started eating them. 
I was praying they would go to dog heaven. I was upset with them, amen. No farmer has control over the weather. Um, the citrus farmers in South Florida have lost everything they have. My friend that was raised in this church, the first family that took me in when I was knocking on doors and didn't know a soul, the first door I ever knocked on looking for an apartment to rent, I wish I could have said I was out soul winning that day, was the Pursley's. And they invited me to spend the night. In the middle of the night, uh, Lisa said to Rick, Rick's in heaven, he was a state trooper then, he's, he's, a, heavenly, he's a heavenly resident now. But he, she said, hey, you think that guy is really a preacher? He might be a mass murderer. And you know what? Brother Rick said, just in case, I put my revolver under my pillow. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go in there and ask him where the restroom was. Praise God. But they fed me chicken that night, so I knew it was the perfect will of God for me to come to Dalton's. Amen. She burnt the biscuits, but that's okay. Amen. And why you remember those precious memories. But folks, I'll tell you something. Jeff has lost everything he has. He lived in Key West. They had to make him their son that was raised in this church. He's a ranger over in Iraq, sharpshooter, great military man. But he lost his house and he lost his boat. You say, what's the big deal? He shouldn't have this recreation. No, his boat was his living. He's a charter captain down there. That was his source of living. He lost it all. And my prayer is this morning, he won't get bitter, he'll get better. But I want to tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take a lot of God's Spirit to help him. And if you was in his place, you might be having second thoughts too. Amen? And the trials of life sometimes help, cause us to doubt. But I want to tell you something, friend. The Jewish farmer was willing to wait for a long time. The Jewish farmer would plow and sow in what was called our autumn months. The early rains would come and soften the soil so they could plant. Then the latter rains would come early spring, about February or March, and help to mature the harvest. The farmers had to wait not just weeks, but months and months. And every farmer worth his salt knows that crops don't come up overnight. We just need to plant. We need to sow. We need to cultivate. We need to weed. We need to fertilize. But we don't need to demand God to do whatever He wants to do now. We need to wait on God. Hardest thing you'll ever do in a Christian life is be patient. Patient with God, patient with your prayer life, patient with others. How many have trouble with others? Don't raise your hand. Your wife's sitting right next to you. Others. Folks, listen. And this fruit is precious. James chapter 5, verse 7 says it. It says, long page for, for it says, the husband waited for the precious fruit. Now I want to say this. I believe you ought to pay, be patient in your marriage. I believe you ought to be patient with your children. I believe you ought to be patient with these young Christians. Because, you know, I want to ask you a question. How long did it take you to get spiritual? You know, sometimes if people don't look exactly the way we look and they don't act exactly the way we act, we're, going to book, we're just going to, you know, uh, I don't know, we'll classify them here. No, what you ought to classify them is, is that thank God they're here. They want to grow in grace, and we ought to give them space to do it. Say amen. I'm not talking about compromise the major doctrines. I'm just saying be patient. God's not finished with you yet, and thank God God's not finished with them either. We need to be patient with each other. How long did it take you to get spiritual? And some of you are looking at me with a little smile saying, I ain't there yet. <laughs> and I knew it. I'm glad you admitted it. Amen? I'm not there either. But I want to grow, don't you? 
And I believe that, folks, if you're not careful, the devil will try to get you to quit. And the trump of God's about to sound. We're saved. Folks, our heart's the soil. The seed's the Word of God. And, folks, our heart can get hard. Has your heart ever got hard? Has your heart ever got broken? Has your heart ever got so disappointed in a man of God or a lady of God or somebody that ought to be a spiritual example and you use them as an excuse that you'd join them and quit? I was so thankful for those that came and supported the Christian, the, uh, the uh, um, marriage retreat. I don't expect you to come because you've heard most of it probably, but some did come. And thank God I appreciate Brother Blaine and, and, and Brother Jack. They were on the front row of the men's meeting, and I lost my notes. And they found them on the table, and they ran up there and gave them to me. Or they would have really had some scrambled eggs. They rescued me because I couldn't find my notes. I think I had it in my heart, but I don't, you know, sometimes I don't trust my heart because my heart will get preaching on soul when I'll never get to anything else. But I'll tell you, as I taught the men on every man's battle and every man's building project, and every man's battle is emotional affairs, sexual temptation, pornography, emotional affairs with friends, texting with the opposite sex. And I just dealt with some things that were a little blunt. And some of the men probably got offended, but I really didn't, I wasn't there to be elected to an office. I wasn't there trying to be popular. I was trying to preach what God laid on my heart. Every man's battle. But every man's building project is to keep the water fresh at home. And you know how you can prevent an affair? Have one in your own marriage. Have a date night. Treat her... Like you, like you did before you got married, after you get married, you won't get unmarried. Say amen. I won't repeat that because I couldn't. But I want to say this. We take each other for granted, we're in trouble in our relationship. But as I taught in that class, and I'm just going to tell you how the devil works. I thought about the day that I met a young preacher in that, in that room. That young preacher had a little blonde-headed girl sitting next to him. I was so impressed he had a little blonde-headed girl. It wasn't his wife. It was his daughter. He's preaching as one of the main preachers of that meeting that we were in down there at Philadelphia Baptist Church. And I went up to him and I said, I want to, I want to meet you. I appreciate the message you preach, but I appreciate more that you brought your daughter on a trip. And, and y'all share in the motel room. And you're, you're a good daddy, I can tell. And I had him preach here. I had him scheduled for the third week in August. Kenny Kuykendall took his place. For that man called me up and said, Preacher, I'm out of the ministry. I blew it. I had an affair with my wife's best friend. Her husband beat me to almost a death. I'm headed to South Carolina. I've resigned my church yesterday. And now he's assistant funeral director of a funeral home in South Carolina. Don't say it won't happen to you. And don't tell me you don't need marriage retreats. Because when you think you don't need it, it's when you need it the most. It starts with texting. It starts with emotional affair. It talks with, we're just friends. It starts with daydreaming about someone besides your mate. 
And folks, I didn't I didn't mean to go into this detail, but I'm going to tell you this, friend. You need to be faithful like a farmer. You need to be faithful in your own plot that God's given you, your own home, your own marriage, your own ministry, because the devil wants to sift you and deceive you and cause you to be a casualty. And it breaks my heart every time I think about this young man. Some of y'all know him personally, but he's out of the ministry. But folks, I want to tell you this, more deadly than that is that there's a lot of Christians that are just giving up. And so a farmer doesn't give up. And I want to say this, the Bible says, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye condemn. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. What in the world has that got to do with context? I'll tell you what it does. Farmers ain't got time to fuss with other farmers. If I want to tell you something, I'm from South Georgia. I was there four years. Let me think, was it four? Yeah, four years. And uh, the farmers are great people. I mean, they help other farmers when they get in trouble. They don't cut other farmers. They just, some kind of maternity to them. They just love other farmers. And folks, our church was like that. We loved each other. They'd come in a little late because they were taking care of the chickens and the crops on that morning. But I want to tell you something, folks. If we're really farming and we're really planting the seed and we're really soul winning and we're really doing what God's called to do, we don't have time to hold grudges. And by the way, grudges don't hold you. You don't hold a grudge. A grudge holds you. And bitterness turned in is depression. But bitterness turned out is anger. You know why a lot of people are angry at everybody? Because they're hurt. I was hurt. I was insecure. I was a stuttering little boy because of what I lived in. And when we got married, I was critical because I felt like I had to keep everybody down in the ditch of my insecurity. And I about ruined my marriage. And God set me free from that because I'm accepted in the beloved. Praise God, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm not a son of a drunk. I'm a son of the king. Amen. Amen. And I don't have to criticize and cut somebody down to keep them on, in, my, uh, in my ditch. Critical people are insecure. And I just want to say this, friend. Grudge not. Don't let a grudge hold you. And if bitterness can get a place, the Bible says, let not your son go down upon your wrath and give no place to the devil. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. I can't get this marriage stuff off my mind right now. I've been studying too much this weekend on it. But folks, it says don't give a place to the devil. He, he sets up a kingdom. He sets up a jurisdiction. Grudge not. And I'll say this with all my heart. If you let bitterness come in your life, you will hold grudges and you will hold people down and you will, uh, you will uh, bicker and you'll divide and you'll, you'll never be happy and you'll never have peace and Folks, you'll be swinging the sickle at each other instead of swinging the sickle at the harvest. Folks, souls are dying and going to hell and churches are split, splattering, and splintering. Folks, souls are going to hell and missionaries have to come off the field because their churches won't support them because they're running their preacher off every three years. That's the truth. And so folks, in the light of His soon coming, Keep on planting. Keep on sowing. Keep on loving. Keep on giving. 
and keep faithful. Because God's called you to be a faithful farmer, a faithful planter. Aren't you glad that the Christian life is a stewardship and you're not the owner of it? And folks, God's called you to plant. He didn't call you to give the increase. He, God gives the increase. We're co-laborers with Him. But I want to tell you what. There's no sideline in the Christian life. The man that won Larry Styles the Lord, I think he was in his 80s when he knocked on, knocked on your cell. <laughs> well, he was an old guy. He was older as I was. And he come in and, and, and got that young guy's attention, told him, come off that bunk and come up here to these bars. And he showed the the beautiful plan of salvation and lifted up the lovely Christ at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I believe it was, wasn't it, Brother Larry? It was early on Sunday morning. Here's a guy that should have been retired. Here's a guy that Brother McCarty was uh, real close to uh, Lester Roloff and he, he, he helped build those homes over there in Corpus Christi. And Man, here he is serving God and he reached Brother Larry and Larry's reaching people every week with the gospel. Folks, seeds planted uh, folks, they last for eternity. But what you do for yourself will soon be forgotten. Only what's done for Christ will last. So give to Jesus all your days, for it's the only life that pays when you recall. You have but one life. What I'm trying to say in this first point is we don't have time to fuss and fight. And as far as I know, this church is together. I'll be the last one probably to know, but I think everybody loves everybody in this place. I don't think we have any cliques. I'm sure the devil will try to plant one tomorrow. I don't, think, I don't think there's any division here. If it was, I'd deal with it personally, not from the pulpit. But I want to say this. Folks, in the light of his soon coming, establish yourself. Get settled on what really counts. Get settled on what's really important. Because I want to tell you something, some of the things that take all our time, all our energies, all our thoughts, and all our affections <clears throat> are soon passing away. As a farmer, plant, and in due season, if you'll keep on planting, and you establish your hearts, he'll come, because the coming draweth nigh. Let me ask you a question. Are you saved? If the trumpet of God would sound, all the ones that say is going to be caught up out of here. The Bible says in a twinkling of an eye. I mean, that's a batting of an eyelid. General Electric says it's one ten thousandth of a second. There's no getting saved when the trump of God sounds. When the trump of God sounds, the dead in Christ, that's Miss Payne. That's uh, Carol. That's, that's all your loved ones. That's your mom, Rob. That's, that's uh, your sister, Deborah. They're going to be coming up first. But we which are alive and remain will be caught up. That's where we get the word rapture. We'll be caught up to be with the Lord. And we can rejoice forevermore. And folks, after that, just after that, 1 John 2, 28, people are going to face Jesus either with confidence or shame. Confidence or shame at the judgment seat of Christ. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Only what's done for Christ will be precious jewels that will be put in a crown and you'll cast it at his feet and sing worthy as lamb. Revelation 4, Revelation 5. Now folks, I want to tell you something. The rest of it, Brother Randy, is wood, hay, and stubble. You'll be standing in the ashes saying, I put all my life, 
all my energy, all my time, all my patience in this. And you have nothing to offer the Lamb. I'll read the verse. We'll stop at point one. It's what I love about series. I'll kick up point two tonight. But it says this. And I want you to read it with me. James chapter 5, verse, verse 8. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Draweth nigh. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the, the, the message of James. We need to grow up. We need to be established. That means we need to be settled. We need to be steadfast. We don't need to let things knock the wind out of us and knock us out of fellowship and knock us out of church and knock us out of serving the Lord and being faithful. God help us as a good farmer to be planting in season, out of season. Help us, God, to give you the glory when the fruit comes, the precious fruit comes. But God help us to be faithful. Lord, we can't do much compared to other people, but we sure can be faithful. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that in the light of your soon coming, that draweth nigh, all the signs are been fulfilled for the rapture. That you'd find us patient, praying planting the precious seed of the Word of God in people's hearts. All because we love you and all because we long to be with you.